Hello everyone and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, a sports podcast from an unlikely pair of fans where we give you the team breakdowns from our individual fandom's perspective, as well as our thoughts on teams across college football. So to all you volunteers and Gamecocks and everyone in between, let's kick off. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome back in for episode number three of the Cocky Top Podcast, where we are breaking down the week one opponents for the Tennessee Volunteers mm-hmm. and for, of course, the South Carolina Gamecocks. But before we get started with that, we are actually going to take a second and talk a little NFL Fantasy Football Draft. Yes. Uh, For those of you that do not know, uh, Tyler and I are actually not only longtime friends, Mm -hmm. Mm co-workers, we have also spent several years in the same fantasy football league uh, that I actually started a few years ago here at Tennessee Legend Distillery as we are recording high atop the loft. The loft. In Legend Studios. For this episode, uh, but last Wednesday, what would have been just after the Davy Crockett episode mm-hmm. of the Between Two Barrels, that following Wednesday, we had our draft mm-hmm. for the Tennessee Legend Distillery Fantasy Football League, yes. uh, which includes several employees, former friends or former uh, co-workers from the theaters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was a really good time. Uh, it was kind of a weird draft. It we actually was. had quite a few people start panic picking QBs really, really early. Uh, of course, you know people like Patrick Mahomes, uh, yeah. uh, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Those guys were higher up on the list. Yeah. And of course, they showed up because the way they listed in the ESPN Fantasy Draft is, of course, you've got player number one through whatever yeah. according to the rankings, and then wherever they happen to pop up that's mm-hmm. where people typically start picking them mm-hmm. uh, but you know uh, seasoned fantasy football players typically won't draft a quarterback unless it's like you know you can't pass up sort of yes. thing until you know sixth seventh yeah. round or later because you know that your your quote-unquote money makers yeah. are in the wide receivers tight ends running backs yes uh, scoring majority of your points but all in all I think it was a really good draft um, I really feel good about mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Draft day score was first place and projected to finish the season first place. What about you? What did you wind up? I think you had third or third? fourth, somewhere yeah. around in there, third and projected to, uh, I mean, I felt to hold good, that same. Um, about it. I know we joked about, you know, panic picking quarterbacks and all that. Uh, just to, to make a little parallel, my family league that I'm in, we drafted – as we're recording this uh, this past Sunday night, okay, uh, and we do the NFL one, uh, NFL fantasy. So we're we're three of us uh, that actually live within driving distance of each other. We met up at this place in Knoxville called Double Dogs. I'd never been. It's pretty good to hang out and have our draft, kind of in honor of uh, my my cousin who recently passed, Matt, who who was part of our fantasy league from like the beginning. Right. Uh, also, one of the the Many people who continue to go with you guys for yes. the season tickets season and everything tickets else. Tennessee so. games. So, and then we'll talk. You know, as as we get closer to to that to that game, our first home game. I'll probably mention a little bit about that. But so as we're drafting, like we got to the sixth round, and nobody had grabbed a quarterback yet. So I mean, that's how we typically. 
Right. Well, I'm like, my mentality is typically like running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running, like alternating. Until or vice like, versa. Okay. Start with the running or yeah. wide receiver yeah. and then go. Yeah. And if we get to the sixth or seventh round and I've got some great weapons, then I, my mentality is who's going to throw to them. Right. So I was very fortunate to get to my each of my picks in each round were early this year. Okay. Last year, though, I had a A- minus draft score from the NFL right. app. They said A minus. These are your Yeah, because the NFL Fantastic. app grades. I won three games last year. So Yeesh. I don't listen to, the, to that. Right. Like, oh, no, you had a great draft. Um, but I, I I ended up with Josh Allen in the sixth, sixth right. round on that team. and I was like, Which is fantastic. I was like, he's just sitting out here, sixth round. Right. Someone already took my home, so I was like, should probably go ahead and Yeah, it'd be Josh a safe Allen. bet. Uh, and in our work league, I felt pretty great also. Um, sixth, seventh round, grabbed Trevor Lawrence. And right. Feel pretty good about him. I mean, he's got a good arm on him. He's he's no longer in that rookie mode. And, you know, he's had some time to season. So, <laughs> Seasoned in the sunshine. Yes, in the sunshine. You know, and it's funny. We always make jokes. Me and my older brother and my cousin would make jokes about uh, Butch Jones as a coach which I think a lot of all fans did. Um, Especially since he's gone. Yes. You had T. Higgins and Trevor Lawrence, two people who wanted to play at the University of Tennessee. Right. Wanted to play at the University of Tennessee. Butch Jones felt that they weren't SEC caliber players and wouldn't even give a look to them. Then they go to Clemson and pretty much show us really quickly what they could do what they could do and that he was a bad coach Alan Kamara who was on our roster and he looked at that Jalen guy whatever his name was big guy he was trying to as the big running back and he did really good a good running back barely gave plays to Kamara right in his time then Kamara goes to the NFL Oh, and blows up. And and those three instances, T. Higgins, Trevor Lawrence, and Alvin Kamara, we always joke are like three people who showed the world that Butch Jones was not a coach. Because he could have at one point had T. Higgins, Alvin Kamara, and Trevor Lawrence on the same team. And he just he's just not a coach. He's just not a good recruiter, not a coach, not a, a smart man, uh, most of all fans would say. He actually did worse for the t- program of Tennessee football he uh, dismantled the program brick by brick. Uh, yeah, that was my little tangent. But uh, as for the NFL draft, you know, it, I, we, we also made a joke this past uh, Sunday, me and my older brother and our buddy Mike. What if you set up your draft day on draft day? Like, what if you draft like in during April, the first drafted round during, during April and just like, you know, just for the fun of it and then locked it in until And that's like who August. your team was for that year. We were like, could you imagine the waiver wire come August or August? Like, okay, everything's locked until August. Who you drafted, whether it be newbies, rookies, and stuff like that, and your veterans are locked until August. Could you imagine come August after preseason, after all the camps, after all the news and all that, the waiver wires? Right. It would be a nightmare. Oh, for but sure. But it would probably be, you know, if you didn't have any money in it. It would make it for some be, fun chaos. Some fun chaos, some fun stuff. So we might actually, like, create a whole separate league next year. Just to be able just to, to do like, that. Yeah, we're going to meet up at April with Buffalo Wild Wings and have our draft on the first 
the night, first night of the actual the NFL actual draft. NFL draft, and then lock everything until August. And just right. See. So during that time, anybody that would be a rookie, yeah, and you decided well, to draft a, a rookie, yeah. it's like, yeah, because like I would imagine like, you're drafting the person, yes. not potentially the team that they're yes, playing for, exactly. Because like or I would their situation. If you did that this past April, people would have drafted Hendon like crazy when he hasn't oh, even been activated. Oh, for sure. For sure. Hasn't even been activated for the Lions yet. And then, and then what kind of, you know, yeah. are you going to have to deal with, in, like, oh, you God, know, with I that? to get rid of Hendon and get an actual quarterback. <laughs> right, right. So, I just thought, but it was an interesting draft. I look forward to seeing where our work goes, if those those standings stay. Right. Uh, or if we get some, some shocks, because, you know, we had an unfortunate situation last year where, uh, DeMar Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin in that late game wound yeah. up going down. And, of course, we collectively decided yeah. uh, that we were going to forego mm-hmm. everybody's buy-ins were paid yeah. and everything yeah. else for what this season would be. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there was a lot. Several oh, people it, had, yeah. you know, what would be the the playoffs and or championships riding yeah. on on that game. That game, yeah. Because none of those points got tallied mm-hmm. in any capacity. So. Yeah, uh, I'm like you. I feel really good. I mean, of course, I mean, kind of like UT drawing a parallel mm-hmm. um, in the fact that sitting in first place after draft and, and projected to finish first, uh, like Tennessee last year, finishing up with mm-hmm. first place in average points per game as well as average yards per game. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely have fun. Definitely looking forward to it and looking forward to a fun-filled year of football Mm. and before we get fully into everything football let's do a little bit more not exactly football football news absolutely you want to lead it off or you got Uh, anything you want me to take it the only big non-football football news that i have is uh professor manning reported for his first day of classes yesterday as we record just it's an interesting saying just that because you know this past didn't didn't Monday, he release a thing saying yeah. he didn't want to be referred he, he to as professor called mr professor teacher it's and, and he hasn't really answered with like okay then what would you rather be called right um if you listen to this past monday's between two barrels we did a really big deep dive onto the life of peyton manning the legend of peyton manning uh you heard that correctly he is now a teacher at the University of Tennessee at his alma mater in what he got his degree in. So I don't think that it's it's a teaching position now that more has come out that he's there every single day right? in person on the campus. I think it's a very, like, certain times, certain... It's certain not, applications. It's not a class that people are um, taking every. They're they're not in the class every single right. day. This would, this would be a situation almost like... For those of you that are, are that are military, you went through what would be your basic boot camp, yes. and then you went into specialization. Mm-hmm. This is a specialization yes. class. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's Still like the cool, yeah. But but uh, I think you know there was a lot of like mismarketing of it to where like he was going to be in a classroom every single day. Right. That the entire next semester or whatever. Yeah. For no. for the kickoff of yeah. of fall semester yeah, and football yeah. season that 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 the legend mr manning himself <laughs> mr manning was going to be here no that's not the case uh that's pretty much the only uh 
you know, coming off the big Food City thing that we discussed last week. Uh, right, which I'm sure uh, is, listening to yeah. to the different personalities and, and beat writers for UT Athletics, that there's a lot of different takes and uh, uh, a lot of people who are already adamant about not adding not the, the Food, City, the food Center. City Center. Yeah. Yeah. Switching gears and getting over toward the Gamecock side of things, in exact not exactly football football news. I didn't know if you know this, but mm. Cocky, the costume mascot, yeah, the costume. Yeah. is is listed as or is presented as being the son of the live mascot, Sir <laughs> Big Spur. So that's the storyline. That's the storyline, okay. and this. Story is that Cocky, son of Sir Bigspur, will be rocking a new entrance for the home opener against Furman okay. on September the 9th. Now, for the longest time, uh, if you've not experienced it, Cocky's, uh, whether it be in person mm-hmm. or, you know, on TV, watching a game, I have, uh, uh, I have experienced YouTube, whatever TV. the case may be, has always been somewhat of a magical really experience. Cool. Yeah. Uh, as an empty box is rolled out onto the field, four pillars with a square cap don this magic box, complete with rope pull curtains and pyropods. If you are fortunate enough to be at a night game, you get to see the lights dim with the spotlight aimed directly at said empty box as the opening notes of 2001 A Space Odyssey begin to play. The curtains rise and the chamber begins to fill with smoke and the cage starts to rattle. As the building crescendo rises, the curtain drops, revealing the cage beast that embodies the ferociousness and tenacity that embodies the Gamecock spirit, sending out a shockwave of energy powerful enough to make even the tiniest of humans want to run through a brick wall. Pyro bursts into the air as the final three notes start to play, sending the players into a heated frenzy as they run through the fire and flame, signifying that it is truly Saturday down south. And time for a sandstorm in Williams Bryce Stadium. Now, this new entrance, if it can compare in any capacity mm. to what it currently is, uh, will be making its debut, like I said, against the most appropriate of opponents in Furman, considering the Gamecocks' first ever game was against the Paladins back in 1892 on Christmas Eve, if you remember that from episode one. Now, I do have no idea, nothing has come out in any capacity whatsoever saying anything about what this new entrance is supposed to be. But, if Gamecock legend in the booth and on the field, Todd Ellis is correct, then of course the Gamecock faithful are in for one heck of a season opener. Hmm. So yeah, uh, since the early 1980s, all the way through until now, the beloved entrance of Cocky uh, mm-hmm. is getting an update. So we'll have to see what that's going to be. But like I said, if it doesn't carry the same type of energy and the same type Ooh. of enthusiastic you know, you know. energy, <laughs> the, the crowd, the cockpit's going to let you know yeah. real quick, real quick. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty much what's happening in the not-so-football football news around – the Tennessee and South Carolina programs. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in what this new thing would be because it, my mentality on that would be like for them to change Smokey running through the tea. Right. It would be like a lot of faith in this new Whatever thing. this new thing so would be. So whatever this new thing is, 
surely because I'll, I'll be the first to say like as an outsider as a Tennessee fan the South Carolina like media team is one of my favorites in college football oh Justin King done. and crew has yeah, they, they're just I mean amazing they, they should win an ESPY on right just that aspect on of that it. aspect uh so they have to have a lot of faith in what this new thing is going to be. And I hope that, that Justin King and his team has been tapped as a mm-hmm. source for inspiration mm-hmm. or for direction of some sort for what this new entrance would yeah. be. But um, from from the way it seems, this this coming up Saturday, the, the season opener – Maybe the last time we're well, going to see I will be on pins Cocky and in the Cage. I will be on pins and needles awaiting your text saying it was worth it or, oh, I'm livid. Right. Yeah. I'll be uh, we'll have to wait a couple of weeks for that one. We'll actually have the seat, or the week two preview out before yeah. we actually get an opportunity to yeah. see that. Uh, but, of course, like I said, week two is going to be against Furman for the home opener for the Gamecocks. What's Tennessee got? What are they looking week at for two, their uh, home the opener? The actual home opener is against Austin P. Okay. So all right. Easy peasy. So again, and it's a it's a not necessarily a throwaway game by any no. means, as as I don't both the 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 Gamecocks and Volunteers <laughs> have have learned in recent years with with teams like App State and and, and Akron and Akron and, and stuff that. like that. That it's 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 never you never yeah. need to to overlook an opponent at any given point in time. Well, guys, with that being said, let's actually go ahead and dive into this first week yeah. preview. Uh, of course, the Gamecocks will be taking on the Carolina Tar Heels in the Battle of the Carolinas, while the Tennessee Volunteers, of course, will be taking on Virginia, Virginia. the Virginia Cavaliers, in their first game. Both of these are going to be neutral site games. The Volunteers and Cavaliers will be playing in uh, Nissan, Nissan Stadium. Stadium. And the Battle of the Carolinas is going to be taking place in Bank of America Stadium. So we're looking at what would be, of course, the the Colts and mm-hmm. the uh, Panthers stadiums to where these are going to – or no, uh, Titans. Titans Stadium. Titans Stadium, sorry. Yeah. Titans and Stadium. Fun fact, it, it won't be around much longer. They're building the, – they got approved to build an entirely new multi-billion dollar – Stadium. I'm pretty sure you can see the the mock-up of the new stadium online. Athletics in the state of Tennessee are getting a major overhaul. We are. are. Uh, Last year, UT got the addition with the lights. Mm -hmm. Uh, The renovation of the Vols sign that Mm -hmm. had stood dark for many, many years. Got the lights back uh, in. Wound up getting the lights put back into them, adding another awesome element. It actually lights up now. Uh, um, I'm excited Vanderbilt for it Stadium they getting their upgrade. Actually, since it is getting a brand new stadium, because Triple H, who is now running the WWE, right, met when they had SummerSlam last summer in Nissan Stadium. Met with the city of Nashville, Nashville. and all of its people. And one of the first major events that will be in this new stadium is WrestleMania. That's going to be fantastic. So, the state of Tennessee, like I said, getting these upgrades. Yeah. Um, Nissan, or to be named whatever stadium, yes. once it gets finished. 
Um, like I said, Vanderbilt oh, getting the upgrades Vanderbilt's to their stadium. Uh, UT with their upgrades mm-hmm. last year and switching gears and going away from football to baseball. We oh, had mentioned yeah. and talked about the Smokies moving mm-hmm. from Sevierville over to Knoxville mm-hmm. and having a huge facility, facility built uh, not only for, for the games but also – uh, oh. lodging, hotels, stores, restaurants, stores, and this is all going to be part of the expansion that includes Thompson Bowling, mm-hmm. um, the improvements, like the whole downtown area in and around the stadium and the the arena is going to it's to get like, updates. It's literally like after our first decent year that. The whole state of Tennessee basically said, "Like, well, the Vols had high pool might be doing something. Let's 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 go see ahead if we and can get behind this. All yeah, of, all this money. And then after last year, they're like, now we definitely want to invest even more money in sports across Tennessee, which is great. Don't get me wrong; it's absolutely fantastic. But the campus and the state of Tennessee will be one big construction site for the next 10 years. Right. <laughs> and it'll be crazy. My my thought process on a couple of these things because it's it's kind of easy to figure out like in Texas where yeah. the money comes from. It's it's the oil barons and stuff like that. Um um for Alabama, I mean, it's just because it's been the dynasty. I mean, they have Bear Bryant to thank for the fact that yeah. they didn't have to do much of anything else. There's not like a, a, a quote-unquote main source of income. I mean, yes, it's it's alumni donations and stuff like yeah. that that are coming in, but it, it you can't put a label on it like you can with Texas saying that it is this oil money that's being used for all these types of things, uh, not only the expansions, um, Heck, there's high school stadiums in Texas that are better than oh. D1 college stadiums yeah. across the country. But for for states like South Carolina and Tennessee, I mean, I true enough, you. there's a lot more a lot more famous alumni that come from Tennessee that could you know provide more you know financial yeah. support for the school. But yeah, for for the state of Tennessee, for the state of South Carolina, there's not really no, I, mean, uh, I would uh, say uh, the name uh, that Tennessee has is probably Haslam. Right. And that's really just a gas station thing. Right, you with know, the, the pilots, pilots and Flying J. So uh, it, it, maybe this guy, this, this, this new athletic director, the thing that he brought in was he is a fundraiser and a half. Right. He is going to spend money to bring in money. Which is smart. I mean, if marketing 101 is you have to spend money to make money. I have to throw a little jab. <laughs> I have to throw a little okay. jab. Okay. At least they're making better use of the funds and paying buyouts. Um, yeah, yeah, they're paying buyouts. Thank God. Uh, well, luckily, with, with Pruitt being found guilty, we actually don't have to buy him out. Ooh, nice. Yeah. There's some yeah. money saved right There's there. Heck saved. yeah. This, this AD is bringing in the fact that like he is going to bring money to this university he has this strength in fundraising and finding donors and ideas and it, it, this was his baby was the okay if we can get Fuzzy to bring in 20 million dollars right. for naming rights i mean i don't think that he's the type to go as far as uh what is it the is it the michigan basketball team 
that are technically owned by somebody? Oh, um, not entirely sure, but yeah, I know what it's you're like, saying as like far as that. Yeah, they're the blah 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 Michigan basketball team. Right. It's like I don't think he would sell out the Vols, as in like. Right. Hey, ooh, it's the Flying J Tennessee Volunteers. Right, or something right. Like that. But he yeah. is going to do things for buildings and rooms and, you know, put a plaque on this chair in the Tennessee theater. Right. Or something like that to bring in money. Uh, which, that stuff, you know, he's smart. I trust him. I, I'm not a massive fan of selling naming rights to every detail of your, your athletics department. Yeah, um, I don't want the yeah. Bubba, Bubba's Trout Farm Dinner Theater, Gift Emporium, yes. Roadside Tanning Salon, yes. seat on the 22-yard <laughs> yeah, exactly. line. Yeah, exactly. on the po- yeah, no. that. I, I think the investing is, is going to be a great thing. And I think even South Carolina, you're going to start seeing more. Uh, if they continue their upswing, you'll start seeing that. Right. I mean, investing into people programs. are going to... to the. It, you break it down. People are paying for a product. Yes. Um, the the better perceived product that they're going to get, the more money that they're willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, you know, oh, you're a, a high caliber athlete at this school looking to transfer, or a kid coming out, mm-hmm. they're going to have more funds to be able to potentially, not necessarily give them directly money, but you know, yeah. the stuff that was hush hush up until the last two years oh yeah getting a, a kid a vehicle uh, now it's not hush you know hush. <laughs> um um building mom and dad uh uh making a hundred and fifty thousand two hundred thousand dollar investment to build mom and dad a, a home mm-hmm. close to campus so that way they're not ha- or just even paying for travel for yep. family to come see play and stuff like that i mean even some things just as minuscule as that are, are things that are, are those key points to be able to get high-quality, high-caliber athletes to come in and play. Absolutely. You know, for your program. And as you were alluding to, I mean, those types of successes are just going to lead to more funding coming in for not only that but other aspects mm-hmm. of collegiate, mm-hmm. athletic, collegiate athletics for that particular yeah. institution. Absolutely. Well, enough with that stuff. Let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes mm. precious of this episode. And that, of course, is going to be the breakdown and preview of the opponents for our prospective teams this week. Like I said earlier, Virginia Cavaliers for the Volunteers mm. and, of course, the North Carolina Tar Heels for the Gamecocks. So, Tyler, let's go ahead and flip it back over to you real quick. Going into this season. Uh, I did want to go ahead, since we're previewing, this is our top 25 preseason coaches poll. Okay. This is what we're not, sitting Not at. the Associated Press, not, not the, the AP poll. Press. This is the poll to where um, coaches across the collegiate mm-hmm. landscape are asked their opinion off of the information that they know and have from how teams performed last year mm-hmm. and the information that they're getting out of preseason camp or what would be from the spring, spring camp, uh, your spring games, yes. going throughout summer workouts and information that has come out about uh, individual players as well as teams for the mm-hmm. uh, uh, fall camp going into the season for 2023. So, so what have we got? So I'm going to go ahead and start at one. All right, I'm not going descending. This is starting at number one. These are your top 25 preseason coaches, Paul. 
Georgia, Michigan, Bama, Ohio State. Not really any kind of shock or surprise there. Those top four, pretty pretty easy, easy to predict. Uh, going into the rest of the top ten, we got LSU, USC, Southern, Southern Cal. Right. Uh, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, and Tennessee. So and that's the top ten. That is the top ten. We got Georgia, Michigan, Bama, Ohio State, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee. Um, I personally would throw USC completely out of that. Yeah. I really don't think that they deserve to be in a top ten spot, even amongst the coaches' poll. And I think with USC, it's a situation to where history winds up landing on their side more so than anything else. Yeah. Similar with Alabama, but I think theirs is more justified just because they who they have as coach is a lot more proven mm-hmm. than Lincoln Riley yeah. at USC. Yeah, so I think USC is going to the drop fake USC pretty quickly. Albeit they started off showing as having some problems with San Jose State during mm-hmm. Week Zero this last week. Of course, the final score didn't indicate that. But of course, if you if you go back and look at it, they were playing a lot of their too deep and even getting into third string and stuff like that. Still got the victory, but it's San Jose State. Once they actually start playing some actual opponents, we'll have to see how that goes. But personally, yeah, I feel the coaches missed yeah. on this one and yeah. the fact that they've got them in the top ten. They still definitely qualify for a top 25 spot don't get me wrong sure. but a top 10 is no i think it's silly the other one that i would have to disagree with and i know that you're going to wholeheartedly agree with me on this one too in terms of a south carolina fan referring to them as that team from the upstate, that yeah. other horrendous orange we both beat them yes Yes, uh, we of course beat them to end a uh, home winning streak of 40 plus games for the the Tigers, and then of course you guys turned around and and beat mopped them, in the, them in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. Yet they still and again this is recent history more so than anything yeah. else. Uh, playing and they were a, their a co- bigger the coach factor. Would start crying. Yeah, because Swinney is a crybaby. Um, well, it's just and favoritism. Who, who, it's just these kids try so hard, and it's favoritism, and that's what. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to let you in on something that you may or may not know as not in the realm, mm-hmm. you know, being a, a, a football fan from the state of South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, of course, I know more about him and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but whenever the idea of the transfer portal first came out, he went on record saying that. Uh, not necessarily, sorry, not the transfer portal, but NIL. Yes. Whenever NIL was oh, coming God, about, he went on record to say that if we start paying players, then I'm just going to quit coaching. Yeah. Players been being paid for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know what New Spring Baptist Church is or what New Spring Church is. No. no. Um, that is the, the believed to be um, fund funneling front man or or front facade to uh to pickens tech that's another uh, name for clemson uh, amongst the gamecock faithful uh for funneling player or money and funds to players or things to players before nil became a full-fledged thing uh of course he made the statement that he made and he is still now coaching coaching 
in this aspect. Um, but he is one of very few coaches across D1 football that has not utilized the transfer portal. He has wow. not brought in any players in via the transfer portal. They have lost players due to the transfer <laughs> portal, but he has not brought any in. So I wonder if that's something that he's just kind of trying to use right now so that way people are, are backing off of the uh, if if players start getting paid, I'm done yeah. sort of thing. And that's a, 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 a really crappy mentality to have, especially because the argument is and has been the players are the one that's actually doing the stuff on the oh, field. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can look at it and say, oh, a coach is just preparing them to be able to make it to the point to where they can make all this money. Bullcrap. I mean, that is a part of it, don't get me wrong. Sure. But there has to be a raw talent there for a coach to be able to shape and mold. So, And then, of course, that player is the one that's having to go out there and do all that stuff on top of, like we discussed last week, maintaining an education, showing mm-hmm. up for class, you know, having a social life because these are college students. I mean, yeah. these are people who not only are trying to, to of course, excel and, and propel themselves to the next level, but they're also still trying to be a human being yes. that's a teenager. Yes. You know what I mean? They still have a lot of stuff that they want to do and be able to experience at those ages while they can do it. And you're expecting them to also go out and perform to live up to the expectations of the Mm -hmm. teammates, the coaches, the alumni, the students, the school, the fans, everybody from point A to point Z that is any sort of representation in any capacity of that school or, or organization or whatever the case may be. And then to turn around and tell them or to say, if y'all start getting paid, I'm done. Screw a bunch of that noise. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our thoughts on Clemson. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't get a Gamecock started on, <laughs> yeah. on, on Pickens County Tech. Um, so then we have uh, the next of the 25. We've got Washington, Texas, the fake UT, uh, Notre Dame. They're back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's said more often. Never mind. I'm not going to do it because that'd be another. That'd be a full-on hook right yeah. there. That wouldn't be a jab. That'd be a hook to that'd start talking hook. about the Cowboys. Uh, Washington, Texas, Notre Dame, the Utah, Oregon, TCU, KSU, which is Kansas State, Dang. Oregon State, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, Tulane, TTU, and one that I, I think that you're pretty miffed about still, Texas A&M. Rounding out the top 25 coaches poll. Yes. Uh, and if you look at the AP poll, they're even higher than yeah. that, it, which is ridiculous because that in and of itself is 100% proof that their decisions are based off of things that have not happened. And I hate that. Just I because the that fact that they are basing that, that position – off of what talent, perceived talent, that the Aggies have on their roster, the mm-hmm. those kids that tra- either transferred in or uh, that were from out of the high school ranks, 
that their star rating based off of on three uh, um, the uh, uh, ESPN analytics all that stuff that actually come up with those figures to say if a and if an athlete is a three star or three star four star five star stuff like that mm-hmm. and then the fact of who the coaching staff is yeah and a few players I I I think it's less than fifty percent returning production maybe maybe just to the positive side of 50% of returning production that's the only thing that they're basing it off of mm-hmm. which i mean i could argue that the same thing can be said for south carolina in terms of you know well if we're basing it off of just the expectations or what could possibly be for this year then that's the case, but of course, as the as the homer, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, I want to look at it and say, "Well, look at what happened last year." But I mean, it's the the two sides to every coin argument, yeah. so to speak. You know, you can't look at another team and say, "Well, why are you looking at it this way?" Mm-hmm. Well, why can't you do that the same way for the same teams? And just like we were talking about with uh, why is Clemson ranked above Tennessee, even though South Carolina and Tennessee both beat Clemson, mm-hmm. why is a team that went 7-5 and five last year or 6-6, six and six, whatever it was, with Texas A&M, why are they ranked in the top 25 whenever South Carolina went 8-5 and five and beat with us. their bowl game, beat Tennessee, beat Clemson, beat A&M, but aren't in the top. 25. But aren't in the top twenty-five, in any poll. Yeah, we're just outside the top. We're like twenty-six, twenty-eight, something like that. Yeah. But still, in neither of those polls are the Gamecocks ranked in the top twenty-five. But we beat three of the teams that are listed in the top twenty-five, including depending on which polls you look at, Kentucky being included in the top twenty-five, mm-hmm. and we beat them and we're still not ranked. So the the ranking systems for me honestly are a complete joke until probably the fourth week of the season. And then until you get to the end of the season. It's kinda like the way I look at like rotten tomatoes. For movies. For movies, yeah. For movies. Not actual rotten tomatoes folks. No. No, I think they are rotten tomatoes because I don't, I don't pay any attention or listen to or heed anything this this rotten tomatoes rating system says. Rotten tomatoes can put out a well sixty uh, critics from Rotten Tomatoes saw this movie and they didn't like it that much, so we're giving it a score of forty two percent. But then people are going to see that before we even go see the movie, and we're letting that determine I'm not going to go see How our feelings for that's going to be, yeah. Because people who don't know my likes or, or dislikes are telling me it's 40% and I shouldn't see it. Right. I hate that crap. The movie hasn't even dropped yet, and we're yeah. letting that sway. And I'm like, Tennessee, who finished 11-2, and two, beat Clemson in the ball game, who finished with a worse record than 11-2. and two. Right. They're ahead of us. I'm like, no, no, no. That's this. And you can't. Ranking, and you can't there tell be a me ranking going in based on what we did last year. Or like, would you let an employee as a manager, right, come up to you and say, "I want 
uh, like let's say they were sitting at so much an hour, and they and it's it's a it's 2024 now. Right. Flash forward to January 2024. I want a raise to this much an hour based off of what I'm going to do for you this calendar year. No. You'd be like, I haven't seen it. Right. I haven't seen it yet. Now I can base it off of what I do know, what yes, I do what know you that you're capable know. of. Um, but you'd be like, I haven't seen anything you're promising. Right. This is a poll going into the season with a, an empty promise that this yeah. is what the season's going to look like. Yeah. And I think that those are crazy coaches or AP polls. I'm like, you're basing it off of, you know, no evidence. Right. For this year. We thinks. We think. What yeah. ifs. Yeah. Is, is what you're basing it off of. And people rely on those polls so much. And I'm just like, dude, can we flash forward six six weeks from now? That's going to be way different than what it is now. Oh, so much and, different. And it makes these preseason, when that happens, it makes these preseason polls look like a joke. We actually need to look since we had the week zero games to see what kind of changes may have taken place from week zero mm-hmm. going into week one because the I know Notre Dame played. They played Navy over in Germany yes. and and mopped the floor with them. Mm-hmm. Did Notre Dame jump up in the rankings any because of that? I, I'm not sure, but, I mean, I don't think there was anything to really base. And then... If that's the case, are they going to take into account that first or that week zero win mm-hmm. after this Saturday, whenever everybody else winds up going through and playing again? Or sorry, it'll be Monday before the poll comes back out because yeah. we've got the Sunday game this week uh, in college as well. So is is that going to be taken into a, uh, into account whenever trying to determine what Notre Dame's new spot's going to be? Because they've played two games where everybody else Hasn't will only yet. be playing just the singular yeah. game. Um, if, if for in fact South Carolina beats North Carolina, is that going to warrant enough for them to be able to actually climb into the top twenty-five and knock North Carolina at out. that point and knock North Carolina out? Yeah, because they are so close to that, you know, twenty-five yeah. spot. And then depending on what the score is, I mean, because like I said, AP poll versus coaches poll, coaches poll has them uh, above 20. Mm -hmm. I think AP poll has them below 20. So even if that's the case, is that enough to actually jump South Carolina over North Carolina in the poll if it doesn't knock them out? For instance, if if the craziest thing happens and ETSU were to beat Alabama, what does that do to ETSU? Does that skyrocket them that from skyrocket like them? 120 does it kick all the Alabama way up out to of the top 10, top 15, top 20? Right. How would you handle that? How do you like, handle that? Holy, like, you'd be sitting there. You'd be like, holy. Beep. What do we do? What do we? What, do? How do we? What, how do we what, handle what this? That's what you get for pre pre yeah determining things, and I think it's crazy. But that's that's another. Quick disclaimer, we honestly do not believe here at Cocky Top Podcast that ETSU <laughs> is going to, <laughs> to beat no, Alabama here in week one. No, we do not. Uh, Just in case anybody decided they yeah. wanted to try to come at us about that. If you're enjoying the Cocky Top Podcast with Brian and Tyler, then you will also enjoy other Legend Studios productions. Check out Between Two Barrels with Brian and Opie, and the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with Josh and Tyler. If you enjoy those and want to know more 
about Legend Studios, find us on Legend Studios in Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the rest of the show. So, uh, so what's your what's your so main storyline? I think the storyline of this first game is is we remind them, not just Virginia, we remind them who we were, who we are, and who we're going to be. Uh, and I promise, in, in making this next statement, I am not. My vogels are off. I got a little Bret Hart vibes there for a second. Yeah, the best there is, the best there, and <laughs> the best there ever will be. Uh, my vogels are off. I'm not saying this wearing my, my fan hat and all that, even though I am wearing a Tennessee hat right now. I think because of what we did last year and because of what the story going into this season for Tennessee is, a lot of eyes in the entire country are going to be on Tennessee. Oh, for sure. They want to see if they can replicate exactly. what they did last year. So I think this storyline going into this first game with the Virginia who, you know, we made the joke earlier, their football program has been on the back of a milk carton. Yes, yeah, since like 2016, so, 17, somewhere around in there. Uh, a Virginia that lost their, their star quarterback to the transfer portal. Right. They've been somewhat of a joke in the ACC and plus the entire country. So we need to go in there and bloody their noses. Right. We need to be the fifth grader picking on the kindergartner. We need to not only remind them by, like, people, because you're going to have naysayers either way. You're going to have people, like, we could beat the living day. They could not score a point against us. It could be 50-something to zero in the end of the fourth quarter. You're still going to have your naysayers say, oh, it's Virginia. And, oh, of and course. And you're going to have your people saying, like, ooh, they bullied them. Right. And well, that's I, the story we need to remind them. That's the storyline for this game for me. I made a point on a um, Twitter X, yes, whatever, X, whatever post the other day that the the strength of schedule mm-hmm. or the opponent at any given point in time is strictly perception based at yes. any point in time. Yeah. Um, like for strength of schedule, as an example, um, and this is exactly what I was talking about because that's what the post was referring to as, you know, strength of schedule. Um, why have certain teams on your schedule? Uh, I think yeah. it was actually a, a mockery of the SEC uh, from Big Ten mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, we don't have any FCS opponents on our schedule. Yeah. Why does, you know, SEC, they have to put FCS opponents on their schedule to, to be able to make it through, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, if you look at it this way, strength of schedule, if you have a tough strength of schedule and you win out, people are going to be like, oh, that's a more impressive body of work and series of wins because they had a tougher schedule. Mm-hmm. But if you lose out, people are going to say the same thing, just a different perspective. Yeah. Oh, it was the schedule. Was schedule. No wonder they lost out. Yeah. Look at the tough schedule. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it makes your, your accomplishments look that much greater, but it also lessens the blow for your failures because it was perceived as more expected. Yes. And and to you know bring it back around to what you're saying with Virginia. I mean, it's a situation where yeah, you're going to have those people say it's just Virginia. Yes. But that's still a Division 1 FBS football yes. program. Absolutely. I mean, and like I told you in a text message, uh I was like 
the the one of the last times that Virginia had at least the Cavaliers, you know, mm-hmm. had anything and much can be same said same for Virginia Tech. Um but they wound up actually beating the Gamecocks in uh I think it was the I'll have to go back and look at it. It was during the the Will Muschamp tenure mm-hmm. uh there at South Carolina, but they were actually beaten by the uh, Virginia Cavaliers, and since then it seems like it took all of their mojo to get that W over the Gamecocks yeah. for that, um, because, like you said, well, I mean, uh, they've the the football in the state of Virginia has been on the back of a milk cart yes. ever since. And I mean, they could easily, you know, exploit the secondary, which we've been very vocal. That's one of Tennessee's weaknesses right now. Right, but I think the, the, the level of play that you're going to get, especially from not the the better starting quarterback out of Virginia, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a situation where Tennessee, Tennessee's defensive line is going to be able to cause more disruption yes. as opposed to them having to worry about the corner and safety play, the secondary mm-hmm. from Tennessee, because I don't think – Virginia's quarterback's going to have the time to be able to throw it. You're going to see you're going to see turnover in this game, I think, that is not synonymous with Tennessee at least for the last several years yes. just because of the fact that it's going to be more improved line play. Yeah. Edge rushers, linebackers getting to the quarterback as opposed to the actual defensive backs yeah. in the safeties. And, and the, the, corners the, the corners work. actually having to lock down yeah. a receiver. I mean, so that, I mean, I think that's just, that's what the storyline is: is we have to black, black an eye and bloody a nose walking into this season. <laughs> you know, we have to do that because in two games, two games after this, we have Florida, right, in the swamp. So we have to bully. You have to be in that mentality. Yes, we have to be in that mentality that we're going to hit hard, we're going to run fast, we're going to play fast, and we're going to gas their defense, we're going to bloody their nose, we're going to cause disruptions in their offense, we're going to sack their quarterback five to six times in the game. We're going to so we have to keep that mentality going in, leaving the orange bowl where we, we played this this way and because we had Milton. This is a Milton who, you know, for all intents and purposes, he after the South Carolina game last year and it was like, okay, we lost, but also hookers out. Right. He had to take over. He had to lead. Next man up. The next man up. So he proved in that Virgin- in that Vandy game and in that, that Orange Bowl game that, like, he can be. He is. Right. And then this is a Milton that I am cheering for just as much as I cheered for Hendon. I want Milton to win the Heisman this year. I want Milton to go in the first round of the draft next year. I want this Milton to succeed just as much as I wanted Hendon Hooker to, to succeed. Well, I remember whenever it was a situation the Hooker first came in mm-hmm. and you were talking about it and you were talking about um, how many volunteer fans were like, no, we can't have this dude come up here. Yes. They were all about Joe Milton. It has to be Joe Milton. Yeah. And look at what Hendon Hooker and then, did. Yeah, and then they're like, uh, open mouth, insert foot. Yeah, and that's what Tennessee fans are fantastic at doing, putting their foot in their mouths and, and turning on their own team quickly. So, I mean, that has to be the story. And, and this is a, a Virginia who, like you said, is going through a very tough transition that both our teams have seen in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. We know what it's like. 
We know it sucks. Oh, for sure. Um, but we have to be uh, not just a dominant Tennessee. We have to, to pr- continue to prove that narrative of SEC versus every other conference. Right. The, um, the SEC is, is the, the dominant, dominant conference. Yes. Uh, I mean, we're, we're going into a game where I've got some of the odds written down here. Uh, we got Tennessee, uh, our favorite to win, with an 87.5% chance. Okay. Um, now, that is the FPI model. Now, what the FPI model is, is it's this system that that plugs in and simulates 20,000 games between these two opponents. Right. And out of 20,000 games, this computer system says that Tennessee has an almost 88% chance of winning. Right. So, a high chance. Right. Um, and that's, that's which is great. Uh, and, and the other thing that is, that is big going into here is I've, I've never been able to understand, uh, or I am not a player of, like, the odds, the point spread, the over-under, okay. like betting, you know, Vegas. And I've never been uh, – first off, I'm not a gambler because I do not win – Competition. I don't. I don't. I don't even win like a free ticket on the lottery scratch off in my stocking every Christmas. Like I don't play the odds because my luck is low. It's very low, which is why I don't gamble. So when I hear these terms, like my older brother does, he does gamble. He's on you know that bet MGM or whatever. Right. He'll talk about over under and point spread and all that, and I'm like, I, I right. I heard these terms in the movie Hardball from Keanu Reeves, and I even then I was like, I don't know what his character is so upset about, because <laughs> I don't get it. But our UT comes in at a comfortable 28.5 point favorite, more than three touchdown favorite, more than three touchdown or four favorite. touchdown favorite. Total of 57.5 points. Between the two teams. Between the two teams. Yes, basically saying that the total score of the game is going to be over or under okay. 55 or whatever it is. The money line is UT negative 10,000 to UVA positive 1,100. I don't get that. That part is definitely a little bit more difficult to understand. Um, basically, if you're picking them outright to win, mm-hmm. it's a situation. So, if you put ten dollars on Virginia to win, they were at a what? Eleven hundred positive eleven hundred. Okay, so for every or let's not say ten dollars for every dollar that mm-hmm. you put down for Virginia to win, you'd win a dollar ten. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Whereas with Tennessee, for every dollar that you put in to win, to win, you're actually not making as yeah. much. You'd only be for every dollar, you'd only be getting the ten cents or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. that's what that means. All right, so that explains a little bit. Yeah, there. but going into more of this this game, um, you know, we, we've got an SEC versus ACC, um, although, and that's actually for both of yeah. us: SEC versus ACC yeah. matchup. So, although some of our weapons like Hooker and Hyatt, uh, Tillman, uh, a healthy Tillman, uh, are gone, we still have a dominant uh, force in our wide receiver core uh, with very ex- and two very exciting names in the backfield uh, that Wright I am very excited to see playing uh, in the backfield. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, you know, some other points that I would hit are 
you know, I, I think I texted you that our center was out. Um, yeah, Mays, for at least a few weeks. A few weeks. Cooper Mays, uh, our starting center, had a minor procedure before camp. Uh, he seems to be doing well, but uh, it is most likely a scenario where he isn't playing till Florida. Which Even is game is cleared, three or four? Game three. Okay. Even if he is cleared. I don't see them putting him into Florida, saying like, because even if he is cleared, what if he gets out there, right, and in play three of the first re-injures or whatever, something, you know, they're going to continue testing that strength, right, up to Florida. They're going to practice him. They're going to see just like a doctor would in a WWE ring, right, you know, concussion protocol. Oh yeah, for sure. They're going to continue to test Cooper Mays, monitor the situation. Yeah, we will not see him till Florida. So we will be seeing Ollie Lane stepping in at the center position. Big guy, right. very capable, very ready to step in. Has been practicing at center even before Cooper's procedure. Right. Because you're all like we talked about last week in our uh, our preview and, and deep dive into the different positions is your left and your right are always going to also practice for center. Right. Because you never know when they you have never to know when shift have over. To step in. Yeah. Ollie moving uh, will will have uh, Lamke stepping in at left guard. And this is a safe bet because we are, like I said, opening up against Virginia and then Austin P. That saves your veteran, your senior. Yeah. For Florida. And, and just. Once you just actually get into the, the SEC play, yes. in conference play. It reassures that he will make it to Florida. So is it a situation where he's actually been. Like practicing, been in yeah. the weight room to an he's extent. He's been in the weight room. Uh, no contact. Just no, yeah, no contact. Um, he's running plays like without being uh, having a lot of stress. Getting mental this past reps. Week. He's getting mental reps. Now the way that uh, Joey Halsey, um, the OC, has kind of talked is that he is getting mental reps, but he will be getting physical reps over the next couple of weeks leading into Florida. We most likely will not see him until Florida. So. I think that that's smart. Which the mental reps, I mean, just, uh, just after something that I actually wound up seeing just last night, a mm-hmm. uh, study showing that small breaks in between the actual physical um, helps retention by almost like 20 times more whenever you have small breaks inserted in between the mm-hmm. actual physical learning of something. Absolutely. And... Um, this is, uh, speaking of uh, Halsey, this is his first outing as OC. Um, he is uh, taking over for one that left for, you know, we had quite a few coaches over the, since Heupel's been here. He's kind of like a Saban or a Kirby Smart where he's growing coaches. Yeah, they're finding positions. it's a, a step, not necessarily a stepping stone, but mm-hmm. a, um, or a launch pad. Yeah, it's a, yeah, but it's a rung of the ladder. Like, yeah, he's going to be a coach coach as well. Uh, to where you start seeing a lot of his staff going to get other, you know, head coach opportunities or a better paying. Like, you know, if Halsey this year was like, hey, you know, if we if we win 11-2 and two again or, God willing, an undefeated season at right. the end, they're going to look at Halsey. You know, pro teams will look at Halsey. Oh, for sure. Other D1 head coaching positions might look at Halsey. So, and, and it's a great thing. It sucks that turnover happens, but when it's for a good reason, right? it's like, that's awesome. It's similar to here. Whenever yeah. someone has the opportunity to better themselves, 
I'm not going to stand in their way no. in any capacity. I would rather them better themselves than, you know, yeah, than potentially work themselves into a, a, a situation yeah. where they're not happy or yeah. whatever. Quick comparison or uh, drawing a parallel, uh, and you even mentioned Saban by name mm-hmm. in that in terms of, you know, coaching coaches the gods, as, as well as coaching the players. The 2015 Saban coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them are now D one head coaches, including Lane Kevin. Yep. Yeah, I mean he's a every coach single coach. one of them, uh, including Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart at Georgia, mm-hmm. and Billy Napier at Florida. Mm-hmm. Billy Napier was his wide receivers coach during that on that staff. Yeah. So yeah, I mean multiple coaches, and it's a great thing to have. Yep. Because it's also going to enhance your your not just your player stock but your coach's stock who oh, do for sure. want to come to Tennessee and learn under Hypo. He said in a recent interview, I'm not much of a talker in life. But at that OC job now, he's like, now I have to talk. I have to talk a lot to right. players. Right, I don't have to, to, to be in the press. And, yeah, you know, to the, I think that this will be fine because Halsey's work with Hypo goes back to the QB room at Oklahoma. So they already have that report. Uh, both connection. of them QBs. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. So uh, they have that t- that 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 history of teamwork, and and the way that uh, Halsey has uh, discussed, you know, Joe Milton taking leadership. If you go back and listen or watch any of those interviews on YouTube, uh, Halsey's very proactive in the fact that he we we have this this fast, dangerous. Offense. Uh, he did talk about one of the, the rookie tight ends that came in that just graduated high school last year. Uh, he said his biggest problem was coming from a high school with a slow system and having to – Oh, make the adjustment up. to the fast, to the, yeah. To that, that air raid offense. Uh, but he said he's doing great. He's, uh, he's talked about the depth that we have now as compared to two years ago. Right. Um, the depth chart that we have at the wide receiver core, the, the backfield, the offensive line core, uh, as compared to to previous teams. And speaking more on, on, you know, Joe Milton's leadership, I think we saw, like I said, quickly after that South Carolina game, that he can be a leader. The way he stepped up, the way he took the ball game. I think uh, we, we see, and I think we're going to see even more of what a Milton-led offense can do. And as I said, I you know I'm cheering for it. I'm cheering for this this Cam Newton 2.0 comparison. I hope that he he blows everyone out of the water this year, and not just in this game, but in in many games. Even if we lose them, I hope that he his stock skyrockets. I hope that oh he's, for sure he's in the because it's his Heisman. It's his year. Yeah, it's his it's yeah. his contract it's year or, or his yeah. You know, it's this and and you know and I, I last opportunity yeah. to be able to put on tape what. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL scouts yes. and stuff like that are going to be looking at to find out where exactly a, a home for Joe Milton will be in the NFL if he does indeed have mm-hmm. one. And I think uh, another point is, you know, we have the fastest offense in the country. Most – was it over 50% mm-hmm. of Tennessee's plays or uh, scoring drives were under two minutes. Yes. Yep. Under two minutes. And that's fast. We, we have a fast offense with over – Ten different weapons to hit you with, not counting the backfield. Oh, as far as just receiving yes. options between the wide receivers and tight ends. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's 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 a receiving core that is going to be exciting to see, and uh, it's a receiving core that 
A, you haven't seen it Tennessee in God knows how long. Or But you, this is like the receiving core that most pro teams wish they had. Right. You know, like oh, I for sure. I had, like, I play next man up or right. stuff like that. So, and that's not counting the backfield. Our speed on offense, our weapons, the schemes that are ran, uh, there are four to six names that I would guarantee are four to six of the names are going to get 10 to 15 reps every single game. Oh, for sure. I mean, of course, in terms of... a a limitless amount of snaps that these people are going to get. Well, I mean, the names, the familiar names, Brew McCoy, Mm -hmm. uh, Squirrel White, Mm -hmm. uh, Jabari Small, who's returning as far as running back. You're talking about that backfield. Um, Um, Those are all names that you definitely expect to see and hear quite often yeah. as part of the and the Tennessee offense. Receiving. Our slot receiving is is kind of a unspoken point right now. Like we have a slot receiving that's gonna sneak up on people. Right. People uh, uh, an unexpected an X factor yes. if you will. An X yeah, an X factor if you will. Um, Friendly reminder for you guys, just in case you were not aware of this, uh, we do record live in the distillery location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway. Mm -hmm. So you are definitely always going to hear normal day-to-day business going on in the background. And at points in time, it can get a little loud, as you are probably noticing during the recording of this episode. We have a uh, furry four-legged friend. Uh, that has come into the distillery, yes. and as they just let you know, uh, yes. their presence is going to be known and felt uh, inside the building throughout time. So, hopefully, we can make it through this episode without too many more interruptions. But, like I said, just a reminder that as you are listening to episodes of the Cocky Top Podcast, yes. the Between Two Barrels Podcast, and soon to be Thirty and Nerdy Podcast, joining us here. As a part of Legend Studios, you are going to be hearing this type of stuff. Uh, apologies if it winds up creating a, a less than desirable listening experience, but hopefully our material winds up more than making up for anything like that. But continuing on, what are we else looking uh, at there, the, Tyler? The last thing point that I have to make in this preview for the first game and the season is with the the multiple opportunities at so many offensive weapons getting reps, that brings a unity to the team because you're not going to have that backbiting like, oh, they're getting more reps than me because the way our offense runs is... So many opportunities for everybody. Yeah, You know, whether it's, okay, they need a breath, get in there. Right. Or, or, hey, this is for this. You're going to be over here. We're going to run, you know, we're running Two on the left, three on the right, whatever the case may be. Um, so there are going to be so many people with opportunities to touch the ball this year um, that there's no backbiting in the locker room or those those bad feelings about someone getting more. You're going to have more of a unity. And with that unity comes more of an opportunity of this team's ready to kick ass together. Right. You bring up an interesting point with that, and that's something I'm probably going to wind up talking to you a little bit more off air and we may bring up in the next episode. Uh, but talking about the different types of fans mm. that you're going to experience. And yes. I've I've spoken to some Tennessee fans who feel like that type of unity and camaraderie was not present during the South Carolina game. And, and there were 
there were reasons as to why that was the case, and of course that was the the reason, well, in their opinion, the in their eyes, as to why that game turned out the way that it did. That's not the only reason. <laughs> there were tons of reasons we lost that game. There were other things <laughs> that were happening. There were tons of reasons we lost that game. Um, and, and one of them being just played better. Right. We and and better it can happen. It can happen. The last thing is, is pre- previewing this individual game. I think you're going to see very quickly we call and answer and answer and answer and answer. You made the, the, the comment last week about your... Your, I guess your uh, gunner, yes, very fast gunner, yes, who's just going to be to like try to get there before the ball even drops in the guy's hands, right? That's your opportunity to answer after an answer. Oh, for you know? sure. So Tennessee's going to look for those two, like shut that offense down. We're going to answer after an answer after an answer, right? Blacken their eyes. My final comment is I, I don't know if Virginia can score fourteen. That's with that. with the mentality that yeah. you're hoping Tennessee goes into, just we're going to take the ball, we're going to shove it down your throat. Then we're going to kick the ball off to you, take it back, and then shove it down your throat again. Okay. Yes. I think I don't know if they score 14 against us. So, I mean, is that what you're – you're going to go ahead and call that? Is I'm that going to be your, yeah, go call your game call? They are lucky to have two touchdowns. Okay. Us. All right. I like it. I like it. And especially as we've you know mentioned multiple times, if they are anywhere near what their record was last year in terms of Tennessee and their offensive output with yardage and points per game, yeah, there's a good possibility that you could see uh, I'm Oliva coming in in the third or fourth quarter to to get in some valuable reps going into the end of it. This portion of the Cocky Top Podcast is brought to you by the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. With 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas, GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, Legends. Great preview, man. Great preview. Got like, a lot feeling, of good information and stuff on like the that. Side of things. It is the Battle of the Carolinas. This is a, even though there's only been one, this is the Duke's Mayo, or no, there have been two. Uh, this is a Duke's Mayo Bowl Classic happening there in the Carolina Panthers Stadium, Bank of America, over in Charlotte, North Carolina, for the Battle of the Carolinas. As I was typing all this stuff up, I had to make sure to either type out Gamecocks or USC, UNC, more reference to a team whenever speaking about either one of them specifically than just saying Carolina. Mm-hmm. Because I have listened to a lot of personalities, uh, podcasters, um, ESPN uh, journalists, analysts, all this stuff. Um, every time they are previewing this game, they just get looped into saying nothing but Carolina. Carolina. And un, un educated listeners your, are just going to be like, name. Uh, right, which is also uh, my niece's name. Um, but, yeah, you just hear Carolina. And, like I said, if you're just not educated yeah. and you're listening to this, you're like, okay, that's which cool. One? Which one? 
but the main storyline um, going into this one, of course, other than it being the battle of the quarterbacks between Spencer mm. Rattler and Drake May, one who is a current Heisman front runner, one who is a former Heisman front runner, it's definitely going to or has the potential to be a shootout, a full-on quarterback battle. Um, but that's actually not the main storyline leading into this one. This one is actually for the Tar Heel side, and that's whether or not incoming redshirt, redshirt junior transfer uh, wide receiver Devontae Walker will actually be able to play. Uh, if you're not familiar, NCAA transfer portal rules allow any player to transfer once without and have immediate eligibility oh, yeah. at their new school without any kind of penalties or anything like that. If you are a multiple-time transfer, there are some stipulations that have to be met to have immediate eligibility. If all of those stipulations are not met, an institution, a school, would have to appeal to the NCAA to receive a waiver of eligibility Mm. for that player to be able to play. Since Walker was a two-time transfer, the NCAA said no we're not going to allow your waiver to go through for you to be able to play this season it has since been appealed again and they are awaiting the decision from the ncaa office as to whether or not they are going to allow him to be able to play it is a situation to where gamecocks head coach shane beamer who has actually benefited personally from having a waiver of eligibility approved for multi-time transfers, he has been very vocal from his side in trying to get the NCAA to allow him to play. So he's like, I'm not going to be someone who's benefited from it in the last couple of years and then hope that one of my opponents is not going to be able to. Now, it wouldn't be that big of a deal if Walker was not expected to be Drake May's number one wide receiver. Mm. So it's a situation where they are looking to have their best offensive weapon, apart from Drake May, not eligible for the first game because of the NCAA transfer rules. And like I said, Shane Beamer has, has lobbied, is trying to advocate for that to not be the case. He is also a coach that has also been a huge advocate for an exhibition, a preseason, mm-hmm. a scrimmage game against a, a someone other than your own roster before actually starting the college football season. Because we don't have out of pre-season. out of all sports, at regardless of level, whether it be professional, collegiate, high school, grass cutters, all of that in all sports have got some sort of preseason exhibition scrimmage whatever type of game to be able to prepare for the regular season that does not count toward their regular season except college football yeah because like like we said last week we don't have four preseason games that don't mean jack that allow you to before we start figure out you know trim your roster down you yeah. know figure out your depth chart better and stuff I mean, like there's, that there's for instance like i'm a cowboys fan there are there have been four football games before the football season starts that dak prescott hasn't even seen the field that the backups getting to play and show off his stuff and the coaches are getting to look at all the weapons 
right. that aren't really first stringers. Like, yeah, do who really am I that? going to be able to put in yeah. on second or third if the number one guy goes down for whatever Absolutely. reason? Uh, and, and it would be definitely more beneficial for college coaches mm-hmm. because there's practice players and there's under-the-lights players. Mm-hmm. Some people practice like crap, but as soon as you turn the lights on and put them out in a game-time environment, that switch gets flipped mm-hmm. and they are lights out. And vice versa. There are and people who practice great. Yeah, but can't, <laughs> but can't actually play for anything. So, yeah, it's it's... It's it's a balancing act, and and to not have a I don't think it'd be a bad your idea. own roster of people to try to to figure out that stuff. It mm-hmm. would be better to have a larger diversity of you know opponents, person to person, you know, or position units, whatever, just to be able to figure that type of stuff out. Past that, it does come down to what Drake May may be able to do against the Gamecocks defense. As long as the boys in Garnet and Black can effectively stop the run and cause some problems for May off the edge, then it's probably going to be a really long day for the Tar Heels. From the news coming out of camp, it seems like the people in the North Carolina organization are the only ones that feel good about the direction of the defense, especially the secondary that lost multiple players to the portal. And they are, of course, now under uh, defensive coordinator Gene Chiswick. Uh, like we had mentioned last week, um, of course, had gotten out of coaching for a while, gotten into uh, sitting in the chair yeah. in the in the analysis. broadcaster and analysis position. He got pulled back out of the out of the chair. I guess North Carolina was offering him a, a pretty good paycheck. Mm-hmm. Either that, or he just wanted to be back out mm-hmm. on the field instead of talking about it all the time. They also lost their offensive coordinator from last year in Phil Longo to Wisconsin. Yeah, that's uh, a big loss. Popular name. And brings in familiar college coaching name in Chip Lindsey. Now, while both UNC as well as USC have brought in new OCs, offensive coordinators, for this season, it looks as though the offensive schemes of the respective coordinators may not necessarily line up with the skill sets of their QB. Yeah. That being that Chip Lindsey is a coach that's definitely more in favor of a heavier run offensive scheme, uh, and that's rather counterproductive to the type of QB play that they have there in that Heisman favorite with Drake May. He was someone that was able to actually air it out quite a bit last year, and as long as he had time from that offensive line, he could fairly accurately place the ball, and that did help them out throughout the earlier part of the year. But once they got into the back-end stretch, those last five games, it was loss after loss after loss. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to, to figure it out, but just could not get it done. Uh, on the other side of the field, though, however, it seems that the new Gamecocks OC, Dowell Loggins, has built quite the rapport with Spencer Rattler. And fall camp reports are indicating that Rattler could ascend beyond even his early collegiate career expectations meaning that there is a possibility that by the end of the year you could see his name once again in the runnings for a potential Heisman candidate. One of the other, of course, interesting battles uh, for this game is going to be there along the line in the trenches. Several outlets are reporting that the UNC offensive line is not all that great, which could bode well for the Gamecocks, who have a couple of question marks, like I mentioned earlier, along the edge position as evidenced by the multiple ORs on the depth chart. If you look at South Carolina's depth chart, it will list a player or this player. 
basically more of that we haven't exactly figured out who's going to be the quote-unquote definitive starter at those positions but that can also mean that both of them are first string or you know starter quality or caliber players they just can't put two people as the starter and don't really want to even slightly give a a uh, um conception that someone is not good enough you know to 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 carry that number one uh, spot if north carolina's o-line is as not up to par then it could provide some good work and experience especially to the younger players getting in some cases what would be their first collegiate snaps i know that i mentioned it last week Uh, shane beamer has mentioned it multiple times on any of his pressers or any kind of interviews that he's done we're going to have to have a lot of redshirt freshmen and true freshmen step up this year to be able to make some plays for the Gamecocks on both offense, defense, and special teams just because we did have quite a few people that were lost last year. But all in all, after the Muschamp tenure, it was bare cabinet. We were having to restock everything uh, between the attrition of people leaving and then just the graduates at that time. Um, Beamer and staff were just having to really refill the cupboard in in all aspects. Yeah. A very similar tale from the Gamecock side of the ball when it does come to the offensive line. Several question marks again there. We've got multiple transfers, position changes, and young talent. Uh, Does beg to have the question answered of can they work together as a unit? Uh, There's definitely a lot of individual size and talent, but can they gel together? Are they going to be able to to cohesively work together as a the Great Wall of Columbia as yeah. the the up and coming uh, uh, freshman mm-hmm. uh, players over the course of what would be this class as well as the next couple of years classes has been referred to as something else to keep an eye out for is going to be the Gamecock receivers versus the Tar Heels DBs and this is where I think that a majority of the fun is going to be had. Just because of the fact that multiple transfers out of the UNC program in the secondary after last season, and to be honest, they weren't even the best then. So the people that they had there weren't great, and even those people left, so they're having to rely on even younger Mm. players coming up as well as freshmen coming in, which that's not to say that something magical can't happen. But on paper, of course, this looks like a really good matchup for Rattler and the South Carolina receivers as opposed to the North Carolina defenders being able to effectively put a stop to Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, uh, incoming freshman uh, phenomenon, uh, uh, Nicholas Harbor. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of Nicks, I was scrolling through the Gamecocks' full roster do you know what it reminds me of growing up? The names of the players. There's a bunch of Nicks or Nicholases. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading down the roster. I'm like, Nick, 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 Nick. <laughs> oh, goodness. But with the duo of Rattler and Juice Wells returning, plus all the other ball-catching playmakers uh, that have stepped up and or transferred in uh, to the University of South Carolina, uh, names like... Trey Knox, Joshua Simon, uh, Nick Elksness in terms of tight ends. Of course, I just mentioned a moment ago all the different receivers that we've got available. 
it's definitely going to wind up hopefully opening up the passing game and getting that well established so we can open up a little bit of a running game and get those defensive backs, those linebackers, trying to help out the DBs and then that just thinning out that box and allowing a running game to get started. Which leads me to the next point, and that being, of course, the carry-on joiner listed as the starting running back. And with him having played both quarterback and wide receiver in his tenure at University of South Carolina, he is sure to have a better understanding of how to read defenses Mm. and also be able to help Rattler out on something that he may not be seeing and can communicate that behind the line of scrimmage there from the backfield, Uh, but then can also either pick up a block that may be missed that you know isn't seen by the offensive line and stuff like that you just got someone back there that has been there for quite a while Mm -hmm. and has an extensive knowledge because of the different positions and how to read the defenses from the different positions and stuff like that not to mention the potential wildcat formations that can get lined up in and everything else it's there's there's definitely a lot of excitement to see what could happen with the quarterback and who we now have listed as running back number mm-hmm. one there in the backfield for South Carolina. And, of course, I would definitely be selling you guys short if we didn't talk about one of the best position uh, units in terms of talent and depth on the Gamecocks roster, and that is, of course, the special teams, mm-hmm. which I uh, alluded to uh, freshman Nicholas Harbor uh, earlier and spoke about him a little bit in the – previous episode um who has aspirations of being at the next olympics as a track runner so not only is he going to be playing football for the university of south carolina he will be running track in that and has like i said aspirations to be on the olympic track team for the next olympics but as we mentioned in the previous podcast and what i hope is going to happen is that he just gets lined up out wide on the perimeter and the coach just tells him to go Mm. just to take off running get your break get past your defender and just go and the fact that the speed and size that he has against these collegiate defenders whose most of them are going to be three to five inches or more shorter than him Uh and probably give up about a hundred or more pounds to him He's going to be able to take advantage of those 50-50 shots, and then if he gets any kind of space, it's donezo. Nobody's going to be able to catch him, and that also is going to provide him as being a a special component, more than likely, as a gunner Mm -hmm. on kicking teams, just so he is going to be able to close that gap and make it to where it's going to be that much more difficult for uh, receiving teams or, of course, defenses mm-hmm. to to stifle the the Gamecocks air attack. Past that, uh, as far as some other thoughts, predictions, outcomes of the game, of course, uh, College Game Day is going to be there for mm-hmm. the first game of the season. Yeah, um, They're going to be broadcasting from there outside Bank of America Stadium. So all the festivities throughout the day, I'm sure you're going to be hearing from UNC coach, uh, head coach Mac Brown, who of course this is his second tenure uh, coaching for the University of North Carolina, maybe will be witnessing his his uh, last season. <laughs> he may decide to retire after this one, and if history serves correct, a lot of coaches in the last decade, after they've shown losing records to South Carolina, usually either wind up getting fired or quitting. So we'll I'll see how I will watch game day for. 
one reason and one reason alone, no matter where it's at, and that's Pat McAfee. Yes, he's been doing a fantastic job since I he's been on game day. I think that they have brought him in to to be the same type of to somewhat bring the same type of energy that Corso did, did. bring. But since he's of course not able to, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of that stuff being a lot of those mantles yeah. being passed from Corso to to McAfee yeah. for sure. Speaking of things for game day, uh, new in your city or in your town mm-hmm. song, uh, same song, but it's going to be new voices, uh, including Gamecock alum Darius Rucker. Uh, Hootie's going to wind Hootie. up being featured on there. Laney Wilson is someone else that's mm. being featured on the new one. Uh, and I can't remember who one of the other artists was, but I saw a list of the, yeah. the, the new voices that are being featured. I feel it's definitely going to be a situation to where it is going to be a very close game, especially for the first half. But I expect once they come back out from halftime, you are going to see the Gamecocks put their foot on the pedal and it's not coming off. Um, I don't think you're going to wind up seeing a a similar score to what the Tennessee game was. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to see a similar score to what the Clemson game was, at least not for the final. First half, maybe, you might have a really close, you know, 24 to 21 Mm -hmm. or something along those lines uh, um, if they get both sides effectively get the ball moving during that first half. Final spread, even though North Carolina is currently favored as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, they don't even <laughs> have them winning by a field goal in this capacity at this point right now. And the line has not adjusted much from that. And looking at the FPI, I think North Carolina right now, and if I'm having to, you know, gun to my head, tell me a reason why North Carolina is at uh, 53 or 54% on the FPI, it's just because of the hype surrounding Drake May. Mm. Just because of, even though they had a, a losing streak at the end of the year last year, they still, they they being the analysts and, mm. and sports writers and stuff like that, feel that May has that capacity to to still be there in the Heisman conversation at the end of the year. And then, of course, the, the losses from the Gamecocks, but I don't feel that people think that that Shane Beamer and company the training staff the the weight room staff the the coordinators the individual position coaches have have done the job that the same or that the same position just recognized names have done at North Carolina and I think that's all it is I think that it's almost like a generic versus a name brand yeah it's almost like they're they're treating all of the the staff at North Carolina as name brands and all of the staff at South Carolina as the generics. But as we all know, in a lot of cases, most of the time, the generic brand is a whole lot better than the name brand mm-hmm. because all that attention is spent focusing on the name mm-hmm. and not the product. Yes. So... Those are those are my thoughts going in. If I had to put a an actual score on it, I'm gonna go 38-24. Okay. I think it's gonna be uh, just a couple of touchdown victory. If it's not closer, mm-hmm. uh, of course, like I said, it being first games of the seasons, there's no telling what's gonna happen. Anything. Uh, but I feel it's gonna be very similar to to what the outcome of the the Duke's Mayo Bowl was. Yeah. 
And I also have a feeling that you are going to see a touchdown thrown by someone other than Spencer Rattler okay. in this game. Those, those are my game predictions. Okay. Uh, it will be very similar to the score of the, the last time that these teams met, and, and a touchdown will be thrown by someone other than Spencer Rattler in this, in this contest. What are your all's thoughts? Yeah, what are your all's thoughts and predictions for uh, not only these games, but for any of the other games uh, that will be happening during this week one list of games? Uh, The other two that are definitely uh, ones that I will be uh, interested in watching is going to be the Thursday night matchup between Florida Gators and the Utah Utes. Florida Mm. is traveling to Utah for this one. Um, Last year it was a situation to where – it was a single possession game and came down to the wire. Uh, Utah almost won that one. Of course, as you, uh, me, both know, the swamp is a a a very difficult place to play for any team, regardless of what the status of Florida is for that year, whether it's a a, a normal type of Florida season or if it's a down Florida season. The, the swamp, swamp is sucks. definitely <laughs> is is a is a hard place to play. And then the other one is going to be the LSU-Florida State game. Yeah. Which is supposed to be earlier in the day. I think that one is still Saturday. Uh, but then we also have the Sunday and Monday game. I think Clemson is a Monday game. Um, but I'm not really – that one's not really as – it's just the Florida State-LSU and yeah. the florida uh I could see Utah. the Utes uh, surprising them down in the swamp. Uh, like I said, I don't think that uh, Florida – I don't think that Florida wins both of these games. I think either the Utes or someone else is going to surprise them before they come, before we come to them in the swamp. Right. So that's one of my big worries is I think that uh, either them or their game two, they get upset, and then we have to go deal with a pissed-off alligator in the swamp. Right. So, so you're, you're looking at the potential two-and-one going to Florida – Mm-hmm. Uh, against a one and one, Florida. against a one and one, yeah. uh, Billy Napier's Florida squad. Yeah. Um, I can definitely see that, yeah. uh, and I can see the the thoughts and concerns with that being the case. I mean, there is a lot more pressure on Billy Napier, not, and it's unfair to him. I mean, because he is just what would be a second year head coach in a historically yeah. dominant program. Yes that just had the the documentary released about it, even though they didn't include a lot of information yeah. in that uh, that was pertinent information that should have been in that documentary. It's like they got all the dirt on and did the Manziel documentary about all the dirt and yeah. then did all the the nice, yeah. no, no negative stuff about yeah. the Swamp Kings one. Yeah. Still, I mean, good programming either way to be able Absolutely. to go back and, and look at those different times of those collegiate athletes. I think the crazy thing is, is looking at, like, the the caliber of the games, I would say that these four are the four to watch. Oh, yeah. For, for, for kickoff games. Tennessee, Virginia, Battle of the Carolinas, Florida, Utah, and LSU, Florida, LSU, State. Florida State. But I honestly say would – I would honestly say that ours is not – I think the top caliber games are LSU, Florida State is probably the number one caliber game this weekend. And these are without my Vogels on. Uh, oh, LSU, ba- Florida State is – I think the, the first game out of the gate is going to have playoff implications yes, on it. and I think Battle of the Carolinas is big. 
And I would honestly put ours at third, and I would say Florida Utah is the fourth in that top calibers. Yeah, uh, just the fact that on Utah's side, I mean, yeah. that is still going to potentially play into not only Utah's conference, but potentially yeah. the national pitcher. Um, while Florida has the potential to do good, I mean, they're not yeah. going to be in that pitcher for this year yeah. in any capacity. Um, the North Carolina, South Carolina, yes, North Carolina's ranked. Yes, they play in the ACC. They were at the ACC championship game last year against Clemson. Uh, lost, of course, but it's the ACC. But it's the ACC. Um, of course, you know that a lot of times people will make fun of and, and say that ACC stands for All Cupcake Conference. <laughs> um, yeah, So sure. I, I – that game, while it will have some weight, uh, yeah. mainly bragging rights, the border war, um, yeah. uh, uh, recruiting is going to be one of the biggest winners for the sides in that one in being able to pull talent uh, from, you know, outside your mm-hmm. normal state. Of course, you know, North Carolina would like to have North Carolina or any school wants the, the best talent they can get, but... You know, you definitely want to have a, a percentage of your talent for that school home represent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the roster. Uh, but being able to reach a couple of miles north and pull players out of North Carolina or, you know, vice versa, North Carolina can reach a little further south, south and pull, pull some players yeah. out of South Carolina. Um, it, it's it's definitely going to be beneficial to those programs. Mm-hmm. Um, south Carolina... Uh, hoping, of course, they wind up getting the victory there and definitely pencil in the, the victory over Furman, even though they are FCS division champions mm-hmm. from what last year would be, uh, or not champions, but at least a 10-win season for them. Um, definitely not a, a game to write off, you know, for the Gamecocks in any capacity. But hopefully heading into Georgia, same for you guys heading to the Swamp. We're going to Athens, same guys way y'all are going down to Florida. I don't think we're going to have to worry about Georgia having any kind of scares in their first two games. So I think the benefit that we may have as Gamecocks versus Georgia as opposed to the Volunteers versus the Gators is the fact that, you know, we may be able to catch Georgia sleeping. And and if that's the case, if we can go ahead and get an L on Georgia's uh, uh, schedule, then then that's going to that's going to. Down, the 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 narrative yeah. <laughs> amongst Changes. the world of college football is going to be widely widely yeah. uh, skewed for for some time. So, and then if that's the case, I mean, if we're riding high off of that, then the the most Carolina thing to happen would us to be come back and lose to Mississippi State, because that's usually how it happens. Uh, whenever we beat Alabama, number one ranked Alabama in 2010, we turned around the following week and lost to Kentucky. Yeah. It, it's that's 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 Carolina for you. Yeah. That's uh, what people would refer to as the chicken curse, right mm-hmm. there. But yeah, I mean, hopefully both of us are are two and zero heading into a pivotal, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. what would be a conference play opener mm-hmm. um, for both of us respectively, and hopefully we're sitting in the one and two spots in the SEC East. <laughs> At that point in time. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, only just because it would be against Georgia that that would have the slight edge for Carolina over yeah. Tennessee yeah. Uh, as you were to look at the rankings unless they the second thing was based off a of score. Yeah. And then more than likely, yeah, Tennessee's yeah. going to 
Um, <laughs> have the the edge in that one. But yeah, if you are uh, wanting to send in your thoughts about your team or the games coming up, or yeah, send us in your predictions teams. for this week one schedule of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may actually wind up posting our predictions on the uh, Legend Studio site mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of Cocky Top Podcast and. Uh, Let's do this. Whoever has the closest correct record to what actually comes about, mm-hmm. uh, swag. Yeah, of course, we'll wind up sending you some swag. Absolutely. Now, guys, not only that, to be able to submit those, you can go on to Legend Studios uh, on Facebook, be able to put in your predictions there. That's not the only place you can go. You can also go to the... Um, or email us at tldtube23 at gmail.com. That is the email to where you can get in touch with us for any and all of the Legend Studios productions, including Between Two Barrels, a look into the daily life of a distillery, as well as Tennessee Legends of all kinds. That will also include the up and er, soon to be joining us. 30 and Nerdy podcast with Tyler and Josh. Make sure you check that out. And also, for any of the things that they have you uh, write into us about, you'd be able to continue to reach them through mm-hmm. the 30 and Nerdy email, but can also reach them through the tldtube23 at gmail.com for Legend Studios as well. Also, like I said, don't forget to check out all the socials. Um, if you have not already, we are very, very, very rapidly approaching the 10,000 magical number of followers on our Newport Highway Tennessee Legend Distillery Facebook page. Once we do hit that, we are going to go ahead and actually merge the Winfield Dunn location and the Newport Highway location into what would be a combined Sevier County or Sevco location page. Um, we are definitely excited about that. We are still going to be giving away that few nights stay at the Margaritaville Island Hotel, uh, as well as a gift certificate for here at the distillery. Gatlinburg Brewing and Company. Gatlinburg Brewing Company is going to be getting us some stuff to be able to get to you guys as well. So the prize package is going to be worth over a thousand dollars. Just make sure that you get your uh, go to the Newport Highway location page for Tennessee Legends Distillery on Facebook and give us a follow or a like the page there. I can't remember exactly how the metrics are yeah. how it's, it's worded these days. Uh, but as long as you like or are following the page, that is definitely going to get that number ticked up. And once we do hit that 10K, that 10,000, we are going to be doing a drawing to give away those prizes. With that being said, this coming Sunday, September 3rd, is our eighth birthday that's right we're coming up on spirit week absolutely spirit week starts sunday and runs through the next sunday uh starting this sunday we have tld day which if you have tld merch tennessee legend distillery merch wear that in uh to be a part of that spirit day uh monday will be pajama day tuesday is tie-dye day wednesday is western day then we have throwback thursday cosplay day on friday which is book characters video games comic books superheroes stuff Mm -hmm. like that and then on the 
next Saturday we have Dynamic Duos Day, and then on the last day of Spirit Week, the tenth, we have Tacky Day, where nothing matches. Nothing has to match. And if you wear any of those theme days in to your visit to any of the Tennessee Legend Distilleries throughout the state of Tennessee, you are going to receive an automatic fifteen percent off. Uh, also, with the possibility at some other gifts, like a shot glass or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what all you get. Uh, come in, take pictures with our staff, tell them happy birthday, and uh, we're going to have a fun spirit week starting this, uh, this Sunday, the 3rd. Sounds great. Definitely looking forward to it. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode mm-hmm. of the Cocky Top Podcast. And for this episode, I'm Gamecock Brian. And I am all of all Tyler McDaniel. So all you cock and balls out there, we'll see you on the next one.